the house of prayer. We're going to continue today in our series on the house of prayer. And I'm just absolutely loving the journey that we've been on as we've unpacked so many aspects of prayer. And today our foundation scripture comes from 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. This is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, the pastor, the young pastor, the apostle Paul. And I think if anybody is qualified to teach on prayer, it has to be the apostle Paul. You know, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament and in which there are over 40 prayers that are that he's written to the different churches and to the different people. Over 40 prayers and that sometimes his prayers sort of run into a teaching and you, it's really hard to define where does the prayer start or where does it end and where does the teaching start. He just And sometimes you can get around people like that where they just seem to live a life so full of prayer that it's hard to discern actually are they talking to me or are they talking to God? You know, it's just wonderful when you meet those kinds of people. But there are many different types of prayer. And, and that's what we're going to try and cover today is the different types of prayer. And today I'm, I want to be able to sort of try and demystify and simplify all these different kinds of prayers. That even which some of which um, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about when he mentioned supplications, prayers, intercessions giving of thanks, and that's not just, that's not the complete list, there are many, many others as well. But in order to just get us out of our starting blocks, and to try and learn how to prioritize our prayer life, we're going to use an acronym. For the sake of teaching this 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 week, and I don't think I'm going to finish this, I just got this feeling <laughs> we're not going to finish this today, but that's okay, we can continue with it next week. But um, I'm going to use an acronym. Okay, and the acronym are these letters. It's A, C, T, and S. Acts. But it's not the book of Acts. Okay, this is just an acronym and it's not a formula. Okay, this is, I'm not saying that this is the way we have to pray or otherwise our prayers aren't being answered. That is not what I'm saying. But this is just a, this isn't a formula. This is just a, an acronym to sort of help us in our daily prayer life. Um, so A is for adoration. So we're going to speak today about the prayer of praise. Adoration, that's what adoration is, is praise. C is confession. We're going to touch on the prayer of, the importance of the prayer of confession. T is thanksgiving, the prayer of thanksgiving. And S, the prayer of supplication. I've just no, we're not going to get there, but it, uh, that's okay. But you know, right at the beginning of the opening of the service today, um, I felt just one word, and that was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we're seeking first the kingdom, we're seeking first the king. And so I think it's so important that we put, uh, we prioritize our prayer, appropri our prayers appropriately. And, um, so we're going to start with this prayer of adoration, this prayer of praise. And you think, but why do we commence? You know, why commence 
with this. Well, Psalm 22 verse 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. You know, if you want to get God on the scene in a manifest kind of way, the best thing to do is to magnify him. The best thing to do is to just praise him, to just lift up his name. And we praise God, not because he needs it. You know, he doesn't have some sort of bad self-image. You know, he doesn't need all that type of thing. But it's because he deserves it. We praise him. when, Because when we praise him, we, we give him honor. We glorify him. We're giving him first place. It's like seeking first the king and his kingdom. We're magnifying him. And we also, we don't praise God for what we can get out of him either. You know, we're not just buttering him up. You know, I remember growing up, um, and if my mother or my father were annoyed with me or angry with me for doing something wrong, and if I wanted something out of them, you know, I would be all sweet and loving towards them and say, oh, mummy darling, you know, <laughs> um, you're just so wonderful. I'd, I'd go to her and try and butter her up to get her approval. But that's not... That's not why we praise God. We don't praise God to get his approval because in Christ we are already accepted. But when we praise him, it's our response to his goodness. It's our response to who he is. So we, we praise him, we extol him, we magnify him for who he is. And when we declare and speak out who he is, the na his names and his character, Remember, he is our audience. God is our audience. The perfect example of this in prayer has to be when Jesus was teaching the disciples and he said to them, in this manner, in this fashion, pray. And he, and he gave the disciples, you know, the, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he said, um, um, our Father who is in heaven, Holy is your name. The perfect example prayer from Jesus, the Son of God. He knew who God was, you know. So we can follow suit. We This is the perfect example. And so just thinking about a prayer of adoration, a prayer of praise. And I can just be very honest with you that this week, Chris and I have had some challenges. And at times I have actually gone to him and I've started my ACTS my, my acronym, I've started it the wrong way around and I've started with my S, my supplications. And I've gone to God, woe is me. Lord, do you know what we have need of? You know, what are you going to do about it, God? And you know what? I think he was more depressed than me by the time I'd finished the prayer time. It was terrible. It was awful. And I thought, no, come on, Sandy, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Practice what you're preaching and put the prayer of adoration and praise first place. I'll tell you what, I got such a breakthrough. I had such an amazing time with the Lord. So some of his names, we just think, who is God? Who do we magnify? Oh man, there are lists and lists and lists of God's names. First and foremost, you know, he is the everlasting God. He is without beginning, without ending. He is the everlasting God. He's the mighty one. He's the ancient of days. I love that description of God. He's the ancient of days. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's our healer. He's Jehovah Shalom, 
our Prince of Peace, if we have need of peace, we, we confess, we say, God, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the Prince of Peace. You are our shepherd, Lord God. You lead and guide and direct me in all my ways. You are our shepherd. You are El Elyon, the most high God. There's nobody greater than you. You are the Lord, our rock. You are Adonai, the Lord God. You are El Shaddai, the almighty God. Jehovah Nissi, our banner, the banner over our lives is salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ, that's the banner over our lives. He's the God who sees. He's the King of all kings. Capital K of all little Ks. King of all kings. Capital L of all little lords. He's, he is He is the great God. He's Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, the Anointed One. And each one of these names reveal a different aspect of His character. You know, he, he's, um, he's my Creator. He's your creator. The Bible says that when, you know, that he formed us in our mother's womb, that he knew us. Before your mother and father planned you, God already knew you. He created you. You were in the heart and the mind of God before even you were a twinkle in your father's eye. He's our creator. He's, he's our comforter. You know, in seasons, of, in, in, in seasons of sadness in our lives, he's our comforter. He's the one we go to. He's our counselor. He, he counsels us and guides us and helps us to make wise decisions. And he's our father. And as a father corrects and disciplines a child, so my father, my heavenly father, corrects me. Praise God he does because he loves me. He doesn't want me to go around making all these mistakes in my life. He protects me. He, he draws near to me as I draw near to him. As I start magnifying his name, as I start praising him, he draws near to me as I draw near to him. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Oh, our God. You know, we sang about this earlier today. Our God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is righteous he is true he is faithful he's kind he's loving he's full of grace and truth he's wise so we praise him for who he is and we also praise him for all he's done in our lives psalm 9 verses 1 and 2 says it I will praise you O lord with my whole heart I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. El El Yon, Most High God. There is nobody like him. You know what? Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what God has done for us in the past. You know? And sometimes we've got, we've got history with God that we're not even aware of. That times God has undertaken for us that we are totally oblivious to. But we need to remind ourselves of everything that God has done. And look at the milestones. Not the, not the, not the tombstones. We don't go back and look at our past. Oh, 
I did this wrong, I did that wrong last week, last year. No, we look at the milestones that God has brought you through. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. You know, even if you've only been saved one week, one day, think of what he saved you from. Eternity. He saved you from eternity in hell and eternity in his presence. And we're just going to look at a, an example from the Old Testament, a well-known scripture from Second Chronicles 20. And I know you will, a number of you will know about this. It's the account of Jehoshaphat and the inhabitants of Judah, the people of Judah. And the Bible says that innumerable numbers of people came from Moab and Ammon and Mount Seir, and they came to battle against Jehoshaphat and all the people of Judah. And they were innumerable in number, innumerable in number. In fact, constantly through Second Chronicles, it talks about a great multitude, a great multitude of people that are coming to battle against Jehoshaphat. And we're going to go through this a little bit at a time. I want to take my time on this. This was going to just be my sort of introduction, but I really feel I want to labor this, okay, because I really believe that God is going to speak to all of us through the scripture today. So we see in verse 3 from Second Chronicles 20, and it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Well, I think if I was Jehoshaphat, I too would have feared. <laughs> when these people, these are innumerable numbers coming to destroy you, uh, you know, I don't care how much faith you've got, I'm telling you, you know, even if you were Kenneth Hagin Sr., <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the apostle of faith, I think he might have feared. He might have feared. But you know what? They don't stay there. They don't allow that spirit of fear into them. Instead, what did he do? He set himself to seek the Lord, to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast. First thing they did, seek God. You know, when the, when the trouble comes, and I'm sorry to be a, a, like a like a dooms like a, a, a naysayer. You know the Bible says in this world you will have trouble. <laughs> you know, so you might be plain sailing at the moment, and I'm not prophesying this over you. But it's just this is just the way of the world. You know, in this world you will have trouble, but the Bible says, "Be of good cheer," because Jesus says, "I've overcome. I've overcome." So we don't have to go through our trials. In fear, okay, let go of fear and seek the Lord. And then verses 5 to 7, verses 5 to 7. Then Jehoshaphat, I like this. He stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and he said, what is prayer? Prayer is communicating. Prayer is speaking to God. 
and Jehoshaphat is standing in church amongst all the people and he starts praying to God in church and he says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that there is no one is able to withstand you? Are you not God, our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people? What's he doing? He's declaring the goodness of God, and he's reminding himself and the people Listen, this is the same God who delivered us previously, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. That happened a thousand years before this. That happened a thousand years before, and he's still reminding himself, God, this is what you did. And if you did it for Abraham a thousand years ago, and we are children of faith in New Testament, we can believe God that he's going to bring us through. But we've got to remember who he is. We've got to remember who he is. Verse 12. He goes on, he says, oh God, oh our God, will you not judge them? <laughs> yes, judge our enemies. You know, we don't have to judge them. Let God judge our enemies, okay? We don't have to call down, call down fire and brimstone on our enemies, no, you pray for your enemies, okay? This is even Old Testament. He says, you judge them, God. He says, for we have no power. This is Jehoshaphat. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Have you ever been in that position where you sense this, this on, it's like, I don't know if you've seen these movies with sandstorms, coming in from the desert. You know, when you see things like in Iraq or, or, in, or in the Sahara, and you see these sandstorms, it's like this, this cloud, this just this mass approaching cities. And it, you can feel almost helpless. And Jehoshaphat says, we have no power against this great multitude. This mountain is too big for us, God. We cannot. We have not got the power and do you know what? We don't even know what to do. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. You know what he's saying there? He's looking at the natural circumstances. He's saying, look at this vast army that's coming against us, the innumerable numbers that are coming against us. We have no might. We don't know what to do. But we're going to put our eyes onto you today, Jesus. We're going to keep our eyes on you. We're going to not look to what is seen, but we're going to look to what is not seen. That's called walking by faith. And in verse 15, God sends a word and he says, through the prophet, it says, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, nor dismayed, because of this great multitude. So God is acknowledging, yes, it's a giant. It's a great multitude. I'm not denying its existence. It is there. But he says this, but the battle is not yours. 
the battle is not yours, but God's. It's God's. He doesn't deny the existence of the problem. He says in verse 17, but you will not need to fight this battle. Instead, position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with your God, and you make the majority. Even when you've got a great multitude coming against you, God and you are the majority. You are the majority. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you. Verse 19, so the next morning comes, and what happens? The Levites of the children of the Kohathites, these are big words, but the Levites were basically the, the priests, the pastors, the guys in the ministry, them. They went before, and the children of the Korahites, the Korahites, remember in the songs of Korah in the, in the, in the, in the Psalms, these are the psalmists, the, 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 the guys that lead praise and worship, they put them out in front. They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. I like that. Loud and high. Start declaring who God is. Start declaring. And in verse 21, 22, it says, And when he had consulted with the people, that's Jehoshaphat, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the, the beauty of holiness. Somebody quoted that this morning during the worship about the beauty, praise, the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise, praise, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Your problem does not endure forever. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Amen. Come on, people. Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Your problem doesn't. Your problem is subject to change. Praise the Lord. And they began to sing and to praise and as they did that, look what happened. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. God confused the enemy, and they started fighting and killing each other. That great multitude were defeated. Every single one of them was wiped out. They were dead bodies everywhere. I mean, who says the Bible's boring? Come on, dead bodies everywhere. And it took Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah three days to collect the spoils, to collect the jewelry. I think, why did they go to war with jewelry? They, because God had prepared them for the, for the victory for Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. They had three days' worth of picking up the spoils. And to such an extent, so 
that they named that place the Valley of Beracol, the Valley of Blessing. <laughs> the Valley of Blessing. When you're faced with a giant, when you're faced with difficulty, with a mountain that looks too big to move, God is at work. You know what? I think they should write a song that goes something like this. Even when we can't see it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He, he never stops working. He's working behind the scenes of your life, even now. Even now. You know what? This morning, that's what we opened with. We're going to seek the first the kingdom of God. It's Sunday. We're going to put him first today. And do you know what? God honors that. God honors it. Well done, people. Well done. But this is the value of blessing when God, God undertakes in our lives. But it doesn't just happen in a vacuum. God is good, and he has a thousand and one ways to get blessing to you. But I'm telling you, this is key. Praising God is key. The prayer of praise is key. What the enemy had intended for Jehoshaphat and the children, the, pe the people of Judah, God turned for good. God turned for good. So when it comes to prayer, prayer of praise, prayer of adoration has to get priority. Seek first the kingdom of God in your prayer life. Seek first the king and his kingdom. Magnify God. Magnify him. Praise him. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Choose joy. Choose this day that you're going to enter. You're going to touch God. Come, come hell or high water. Am I allowed to say that? Well, I did. But you know what? We're going to touch God until things change, until I change. That's where it normally happens. We start changing. But we're going to stop telling God how big our problem is and start declaring to our problem how big our God is. How big our God is. He is the ancient of days. He is the everlasting God. He is El Shaddai. He is high and lifted up. He is good all the time. And I've got eight minutes left. I'm only on my introduction. But <laughs> we're going to finish point number two today. Second point from uh, our Acts prayer. Okay. A-C-T-S. Confession. Prayer of confession. You know what? In the light of who God is and how wonderful he is, sometimes, I don't know about you, but my shortcomings like, boop, come to the surface like, ooh, God, you're so good and I'm not. You know, <laughs> God, you're so holy. Mm, mm. I am holy if I know who I am in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? Don't hear what I'm not saying. But in, in contrast to God, man, I've got, no wonder why he keeps us going for so long. You know, when you get older, you just keep going because you, God's not finished with us yet. We've still got lots ahead, you know. So don't take your age as any sign, you know, that you're ready to go home to be with the Lord. Forget it. God's not finished with you. <laughs> I'm not on my own here. God's not finished with all of us. We've got, he's, there's work to be done in our lives. But you know what? My failings can come to the fore when I know how good God is. 
how merciful he is. And I think back to conversations that I've had, you know, I don't go digging for things, you know, you hear what I'm saying? You know, I'm not going like, oh, that, you know, 20 years ago in that conversation. No, I'm just talking like general terms. But maybe in just in general conversation, maybe I could have been kinder. Maybe I could have been a bit more loving. Maybe I could have been much more patient. Yes, Sandy, yes, that's you. But you know what? We're going to talk here about uh, the prayer of confession. It's so important to remember that when we, you know what, we called, what's our calling in life? Is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's our, that's our calling, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And when I don't quite measure up, you know what, when I sin, when I do something wrong, I haven't lost my salvation. My, my, my relationship with God is still intact, but my fellowship with Him is a little distorted. And that's what we need to protect, is that fellowship, that intimacy. Let's not have things coming up between us and God. Let's get rid of sulks. You know what I'm saying? Get rid of the sulkiness. And let's, 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 let's keep our hearts right before God and God that intimacy, God that fellowship with the Lord. One of our foundation scriptures for this series is Second Chronicles 7, verse 15, 14 and 15. And it says, If my people... Who's that? It's us. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And I love verse 15. We always normally just sort of stop at 14, but in 15 it says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. God's ears. When we humble ourselves before God, when we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face, we get God's attention. Humility gets God's attention. The Bible says that God resists the proud, the arrogant, but he gives grace to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. Humility puts us in a position to receive from God. So it's important that we keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts. I've started doing a thing called prayer of examine. And um, I might have mentioned this some other time, but I find it really helpful. And it's just sort of doing a check on myself during the day. So um, during the week, especially uh, by lunchtime, I think, where am I, Lord? I mean, I know where I am, but where am I in relationship to, my, to God? Have I done anything that's offended God? And last thing at night, and make sure, let's keep short accounts before God. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I was a bit abrupt there, or maybe I was impatient there, or 
maybe I could have worded that text message a bit gentler or, you know, responded in a better way to that email. But 1 John 1 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know what the important thing about the scripture? It's a well-known scripture. It's written to believers. It's written, it's not written to unsaved. This is written to believers. If we confess our sin, so it's about confessing our sin. It's about a prayer of confession before God. And you know what? He says, God is faithful and just to forgive us and from our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't want to end it there. I want to finish on the next section. So we had pray, prayer of adoration, prayer of confession. T is for, I'm going to finish on this one, thankfulness, because it's a good one to end on. A prayer of thanksgiving. You know, a week ago, Chris shared about um, praying with faith. And he shared that when we come to God, we must first of all believe that he exists and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. So, and, and then from Mark 11, the Bible says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So faith, when we pray, faith is the essential element. We don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in God because of who he is. Okay. So faith is like the baseline. You can't pray without faith. You, 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 quoted, you said something that time. You said uh, you, can, you can have faith without prayer, but you can't have prayer without faith. Otherwise, you're begging. And we, God responds to faith, not to beg. Okay, so, so f praying with faith is the base camp. Prayer of thanksgiving has to be the summit. That has to be the summit. Prayer of thanksgiving is when we thank God for the answer in advance, for hearing our prayers, and for answering it, even when we've not seen the answer manifest in front of, our, in front of us. Thanksgiving is an expression of trusting God and gives the situation over to Him. And that releases us from the burden of worry and anxiety, knowing that we have full confidence that God is working in the background of our lives and he will work things together for our good, that he's working in the background. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. I love this scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always. No, really? You go, can't I have a bit of a moan every now and then? No. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In every, like he, he doesn't say for everything. Not every bad thing that happens to you is, it doesn't come from God. God is not our problem, okay? He's not our problem. He's for us. He's with us in the midst of our trials. But we can thank him even in the midst of the trial. We can count it all joy. We can count it all joy even in the midst of the trial, knowing that he's got our back 
and he's going to work things together for our good. I love this. We, uh, Colossians 4 verse 2 from the New Living says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. With an alert mind and a thankful heart. And, uh, you know, having a thankful heart is good. That's, that's right. But we've got to remember to express our thanks. You know, sometimes we've got to let our face know it. <laughs> you know, just let your face know that actually I'm thankful. <laughs> let your face know it. But also express your thanks. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. What prayer is communication. Prayer is speaking to God. So when we communicate our thanksgiving, we are praying to God. We're communicating our thankful heart to God. Psalm 92 one says that it is good to give thanks. Give thanks. Not just be thankful, but to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name. So we've got to maintain in the waiting. While we're waiting for that manifestation, an attitude of gratitude in the midst of the waiting, especially in the waiting, make sure you keep your joy up. Like that scripture says, rejoice always. I love what Alice shared in the summer. I remember what you shared, Alice, about rejoice always. And she, she said, you know, she was, she was praying, she was going through something at that time, and she got this thing, it was like a Holy Spirit giggle. <laughs> and I like that description, a Holy Spirit giggle. Even when things are going bad, even when things are tough, we can still have an attitude of gratitude. We can thank God that even though I don't see it, I know you're working, God. You've promised it, you said that you're going to do it, and so we're going to give you thanks. So even, even in a time of lack, you know, you look at, the, you look at um, Jesus um, feeding 5,000 people with fish and two, 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 what is it, two fish and five loaves, or five fish and two loaves, whichever it was. But what did he do? He first, he gave thanks, and then the miracle happened. If you believe in God for something in your life, maybe, just maybe, maybe, there's a bit of a stumbling block. Check, maybe just do a little check. Is it my is it my grateful is my grateful heart not in the right place? You know, because sometimes we need to catch ourselves. Hey, we go through life and we think, oh no, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But then sometimes we've got to understand that there are enemies to thankfulness. And some of these enemies are things like complaining. Or like that little baby. Oh, that baby's not really thankful at the moment. But it's okay. It's all right. Give her what she needs. It's coming, baby. <laughs> but, um, but, but complaining. Maybe criticism. Oh, it's so easy to criticize, eh? Let's, let's, let's avoid these things. Comparison. Comparison can make us lose our thankfulness. Well, they've got what I want or they've got better than what I've got, or comparison, we stop comparing ourselves, self-pity, oh, woe is me, nobody's got it worse than me, I've got the worst, let's not allow ingratitude to steal our joy, let's not allow it, let's have a thankful heart, have a thankful heart, and express 
those thanks. There's fruit to being thankful. And I'm going to end there. Femi, come forward, please, and minister to us in song. <laughs> and I'm going to stop there. We'll pick up on tea next week and also a little bit of intercession next week. But Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and life, Father God. And so, Lord, I just pray, Father God.